0: here wow welcome to this here wow brought to you in part by jen schulte real estate broker with century 21 millennium inc brokerage the jen schulte team leading you home this here wow is the podcast dedicated to highlighting entirely exceptional people places and things found right here right under our noses in south Georgian bay or if you're planning on being here at some point things you want to make sure you experience once you've arrived I'm Dean Holland, the lucky so-and-so charged with the exceedingly pleasurable task of pulling that all together right here each week from the comfort of Studio 11. You've heard me speaking of transplants. There are a lot of them in SGB. I'm one of them. Relocated from Hamilton with my family back in 2003. Like many, came up here for work and stayed for the tremendous quality of life that the area offered me and my family. Yep, I'm a transplant. Now, as you can probably appreciate, many of us transplants have made a a fairly straightforward journey to be here, traveling only a couple of hours north from where we grew up. I'm told by many of the transplants that I've chatted with over the years that they and their families came up here for one reason or another when they were young, and so the decision to be here permanently seemed rather logical. There are, however, transplants among us, rest assured, that have made a much greater, much longer, or perhaps a much more unlikely and complicated journey to be here. I have two segments for you this week, both focusing on transplants for whom the journey has not been a rather typical straightforward two-hour drive northbound up the highway to be here in South Georgian Bay. For them it's been what I suspect should be called a substantially more romantic affair. Furthermore, how sweet it is for all of us, I'm sure you'll agree, that they both ended up landing here in SGB. This here, this here, this here, wow! Okay, so one of my greatest loves is being in the kitchen. I love cooking. I have since I was in early grade school. Seriously entertained becoming a chef during my high school years. Decided I didn't want to make it my profession for two reasons. First off, not becoming an entertainer seemed not an option. And secondly, I was maybe a bit fearful that making cooking my profession might diminish my love of it. A favourite contract of mine of the past decade had me combining these two loves, when for a few years I was hired by the Royal Agriculture Winter Fair to be the MC for their Food and Lifestyle stage. Loved that job. For ten days each year, I'd share the stage with exceptional chefs and foodies from around Canada and sometimes even beyond learned a lot, ate really well, have I said that I really love that job? One of the things that I've always been a bit mystified by, a bit in awe of, is the art of pastry making. It's a heck of a process, to be sure. Not easy. Most of us, myself included, have purchased at any of the local grocery stores packages of frozen puff pastry or phyllo dough. Now, we do this because the idea of making our own seems an entirely monumental task and one that likely wouldn't end particularly well. Collingwood's chef Patrick Boruchot, however, is a master when it comes to things pastry as well as other rather intricate specialties. I've been a fan of his since the days of his Café Chartreuse, and it remains one of the biggest culinary treats I can experience whenever I enjoy one of his almondines, pain chocolat, or palmiers. As you're about to find out, Chef Patrick's rather romantic journey here has been filled with invaluable experiences, all of which continue to benefit all of us here in SGB.
1: Yeah, born in France, and I did my apprentice, well, I have, I made, I did two apprentices, one for cooking, that was the first one, I was uh, 14 and a half years old, and I had uh, the experience to go to a great town, whose tour, is the name of it, and uh, where you have a lot of poetry and uh, you have a lot of uh, great food. And there was a small college of, uh, I think it was 30 every year students, that's it. And um, we had a whole kitchen and we were only eight in the kitchen with one master chef and that's it. And uh, for two years like this, but you work six days a week, you know, because the Saturday was um, like a, a regular day, at those times, and uh, it was awesome, you know what? Learn a lot, you know, because of all those uh, old people, they had tricks for everything, and, uh, but it was not as much as measurement. <laughs> we are going more with flavor, texture, and that was it. Now we are more uh, specific on, on measurement. So that's one uh, of the big difference. And uh, the second apprentice, I did it in Paris with a great master chef who was uh, the chef of uh, um, Le Notre. I don't know if you know the pastry Le Notre. No. They were very uh, famous in France for a long, long time. And uh, this gentleman worked with him for 19 years. And after that, decided to open this business so basically all the basic of pastries i have been exposed to it so um, sometime at the cafe oh i needed something uh okay well we're gonna make it and that's it you know we, we are never stuck you know right now if you were asking a kid who come out of the school and ask him to do uh, some praline for example i love praline you know and uh, you tell him uh, Okay, we don't have it. We have to make it. So how are we going to do that? they well, are they going to say? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, and that's a trick. You know, we may be old, but we know more than the new generation because we know how we have been exposed to it. You know, yeah. so that's a a great thing about it. You know, and I love it. <laughs> I have to see show people how to do that.
0: Yeah. Do you like te- do you I- like teaching young people how to do that? uh
1: not as much anymore you know what i have uh if it's you know what i should not do that It's just if it's a short time I, I would be okay you know to do like a, a little cooking class for an hour or two and that's it before because i had so many employees you know uh, during the, the, the time of the cafe and every two or three weeks we had to repeat the same thing and repeat, and you know what, it's uh, monotone and uh, yeah, it's frustrating also <laughs> because you are so busy and uh, okay, we really don't have so time to do it but we maybe in the same time forgot some step, you know, how to train properly so yeah, it, it depends how it's Done and circumstances, you know, but okay, I so. would not see myself as a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, think I would have the patience, you know, I, uh, to, okay, well, I'll show you once, twice, and after that, you're on your own.
0: <laughs> okay, so, but when, and and fair enough, and some people are not put here on this earth to be teachers, they're just to be yeah. doers. Mm-hmm. But okay, so when you learned how to become a pastry chef, like how mm-hmm. long does that take you to get to um, a level where you can go out and, and do it? I mean, it seems very complicated to me. Yeah, well, um,
1: I have been lucky because uh, you know what, I work for a different hotel, huh? and the hotel I think they have more exposure than if you had your uh, you are trained with somebody who has this own business, in hotels, well, you have to uh, be, you are exposed to everything. And that's what, it was great when I started here in Toronto because I was exposed to everything, anything. It was awesome. We had a pastry chef also who uh, was French. And this, he was a master, you know, he he teach me how to do things, you know, until two o'clock in the morning grabbing the last subway <laughs> to make sure I was going home, you know, and it was phenomenal, uh, seven o'clock and we were back and start again, and, you know, until you have it uh, perfect, you know, because it was, uh, also it was training for uh, a big competition. I think it was Singapore or something like that. It was uh, the Olympic uh, pastry chef uh, on uh, Olympic. So it was awesome, you know, uh, you have to uh, recognize those people, they have a passion. Uh, That's only what they do, you know? There is nothing else. And they're going to do, it's repetition, repetition, repetition. You know? mm-hmm. So it's, uh, and sometimes, you know what? It can be boring also so, because when you can't find the right solution, <laughs> say, oh my God, okay, <laughs>
0: what <laughs> do I do now? <laughs> Yep. I have to say over as I say over the years I got to know you at uh, Cafe Chartreuse which yeah. you had on the main street for a, a handful of years um yeah. and then over the years I've also run into you at the at the market and yeah. um and you have your own place as well every time I got to say every time I pick up one of the almondines or the pain chocolat there was so much experience and tradition and technique rolled into that it was it it was a lot of things to me mm-hmm Yes, um, it's repetition all the
1: time. And uh, the, the only thing um, who is a variant is a product because sometimes, you know, you can buy some butter, for example, when you do the croissant, different season or uh, different companies, they don't extract the same quantity of water or there is, there is more fat. or That work, that make a, sometimes a big difference in the, the pain au chocolat or the croissant. You know, same thing for the flour when it's milled or it has been picked and uh, they do all their process and you get it right away. Uh, Well, you have to do less water in the mix or you have to do more water. It's it's a little science behind too, you know. And uh, you have to adjust yourself all the time. It's not just uh, black and white, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just... uh, so by the practice and, uh, and the experience, you uh, have to do it. Like right now, the croissant, we are uh, getting in a season where there is a lot of uh, humidity compared to the winter. So uh, we have to put, uh, you know, maybe 150 to 200 millimeter of water less in one batch. And that's a lot for, you know, when you do uh, 15 kilo batches. Well, it's not a lot, but it makes a big difference. Because mm-hmm. now we have tendency to find the butter who has more water. So the water that is in butter, you have to take it from the door.
0: And that's we've experienced, you know. Well, as you say, lots of experience and a little yeah. bit of intuition. And it's that, yeah. that all plays a part.
1: Yeah. Yes. It's like, uh, I don't know if you, uh, we had the uh, old... Uh, when we were making bread in France in, in the nineteen uh, seventy, I had a, a baker in my town. He said, you know what? Never mind the water. What is most important? It's the salt, <laughs> because they always use sea salt. And the sea salt was always the same, you know, and never, <laughs> nothing was changing. So he said, don't worry, mm-hmm. you put the same salt, you're gonna have the same product. <laughs>
0: yeah, it <laughs> certainly it sounds It certainly sounds to me like you have picked up knowledge from a whole bunch of great people along the way, different situations. Yeah, and
1: it's what is fun, because everywhere you're going, you know what, it's different. It's like coming in Canada. I never worked with maple syrup before.
0: Mm. You know,
1: that was something new, and I learned to make a cake, uh, toffee, uh, caramel, uh, buttercream, you know, all those things uh, in France, we 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 know how to make caramel, but not the same way, you know, and that's, uh, it's great. Wherever you go, you you learn new tricks and it's more easy to understand. Yeah, you have to be uh, also uh, um, willing to adapt because there is a lot of people, they, you know, they have one recipe and that's it. We stick to it. But if you go to another country and not necessarily will work, you know, like the flour in France and the flour here it's different and you have to change a little bit the, the recipes, you
0: know. I noticed on your website, Tortière. Yeah, is, tort- is, is that something that you learned to make when you came to Canada or is it something that you already kind of had a handle on? No. Uh, I,
1: when I came in Canada, I learned that when I was a uh, executive sous chef in uh, Lake Louise, we have a, uh, a chef from uh, Quebec, his name was Andre, and uh, he was making tortilla, and he loved that, and he, he was so proud of what he was doing, you know? And I, one day I say, hey, Andre, you have to show me that, you know? It's like same thing. I, I, I met another person one day, and he was doing um, pudding du chômeur. You know, it's a maple cake with, a, you have the cake on top, and you have the maple syrup on the bottom, but you cook everything together. And uh, this gentleman, Daniel, was putting that so fast and pour the liquid on top and bake it. And that was so delicious. And I picked from this person, you know, and that's it. It's uh, how you learn, you know, just pay attention. I think maybe one thing, uh, we are more also uh, picking up quickly on detail, you know, than other people because we have been trained for that, you know? It's like, yeah, uh, you, know, you want to make sure uh, you do the right thing the, the first time, and that's it, you know?
0: I'm wondering, do you have, would you have any advice? You mentioned earlier some of the young chefs coming out of school, which would, have, would, would be having a very different education than what you did. And so what mm-hmm. would you recommend to them? Well, one thing
1: it would be, uh, if they have the chance, uh, change establishment more often. You know go for six months in one six months in another one or if you go to one place where there is a lot of different things happening uh well try to do three months here three months that three months something else and just that's how you're going to learn it's um special especially uh, like pastries or cooking if you are stuck in, in the same place all the time, you're not going to learn very much, you know, mm-hmm. because you, are, you have no other exposure from other chefs, other ideas, you know, and uh, that's how you grow, actually. Mm-hmm. More you are exposed and more it's coming. And you, af- after that, you develop your own test, your own uh, creation, you know, and that's what very important.
0: Patrick confided in me that, like so many of us, he's been adjusting his workload in order to give himself a bit more Patrick time, and presumably a bit more Patrick and Ruth time. As a result, he's not doing so much of the actual baking anymore. However, however, you can still purchase most of the products we chatted about in frozen form. All you've got to do is look after that final step yourself by popping them in the oven. Actually, I suppose that would be the second to final step, the final step being enjoying them. Additionally, I believe Patrick mentioned that there are a couple of establishments within SGB selling his products. If you haven't already experienced the artistry of Chef Patrick Boruchot, you really should make that change in your life. You can do that by going to his website, chefpatrick.ca. I'll post that info on the This Here Wow Facebook page. You know, there's another impressive so-and-so that I'd like to draw some attention to, whose specialty isn't making pastry, but the art of real estate. I speak of Jen Schulte, real estate broker with Century 21 Millennium Inc. Brokerage. Perhaps you're on the lookout for a piece of property, a new residence, upsizing, downsizing. Maybe you're on the market for something with that dream kitchen you've always wanted. Well, whatever the case, it seems to me that the person you want to be talking to is Jen Schulte. For 22 years now, Jen's been busy creating the rather impressive, top-producing Jen Schulte team right here in SGB. She's another one with a seemingly endless supply of enthusiasm, experience, and unwavering energy, and her team certainly is a reflection of all that as well. Jen plays a big part in bringing this here wow to your ears each and every week, something she does because, well, she's a huge fan and longtime supporter of the South Georgian Bay community, as well as its various wows, of which there are many, quite frankly. Both Jen and I know that South Georgian Bay is so very exceptional in so many ways. SGB, the place to be. So, if you're looking to build your wealth through real estate investing, or if you're looking to buy or sell anywhere in SGB, Jen and her team will help you sell smart and buy smarter, guaranteed. You can find her on Facebook, Instagram, or go to JensholteTeam.com. It's here, wow! So my next segment features what I would call a most unlikely newish resident of SGB, and something I caught wind of only rather recently. For many years now, Clearview Township, well, just east of the town of Stainer along Highway 26 to be exact, has been home to the Edenvale Aerodrome. This facility has much to offer, modern hangars, runways, fuel service, as well as a restaurant, to name a few. It's also steeped in a bit of history worth a look-see. In recent years, it really added to its notoriety and its historical content when it purchased the world's only Avro Aero replica. You heard me correctly. The only full-scale replica of Canada's Avro Aero resides at the Edenvale Aerodrome. That's crazy. (laughs) It's a wow for sure. Now, this is all due to the aerodrome's owner, Milan Krupa, whose passion for anything related to air travel made this happen just a few short years ago. And as you're about to hear from Edenvale Aerodrome's Aura Arias, who spoke to me from inside one of the hangars, it's bringing all the arrowheads, yes, that's a real thing, out of the woodwork.
2: What we have here at the Edenvale Aerodrome is a uh, one-to-one scaled replica uh, of an Avro Aero uh, plane. And yes, originally, you know, the project was back in 1958. They started building it, it was officially launched. It was officially launched in 1958 and then canceled in 1959. So the plane was developed um, at the time, you know, um, to to really intersect those, those bombers that were coming from the north. So they wanted a plane that would go really, really fast and basically shoot missiles and shoot them down and then make its way back. Um, you know, the first flight, official flight, this plane reached mock speed of almost two, which was unheard of at that time. And so in terms of me, in terms of really putting Canadian aviation on the map, that's exactly what the Aver Aero project did. And it, uh, you know, it, it had at the time in Malton, um, so in Milton, the Malton plant, it had about 14,000 employees in the plant itself. So you can imagine this huge community of people and these families and engineers and, you know, from the mail guy to working on the arrow to the ones making the prototype. So it was just a, you know, combination, really community. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, they worked there. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the the project's cancellation also had a huge negative impact on on all of those who really lost their jobs. It was a very abrupt uh, notice, uh, literally. You know, you had people telling stories of when they would go and a normal day, and by 10 a.m., they're saying, pack up your stuff and go. There's a lot of controversy as to why they canceled the program and, you know, why uh, Baker decided to do this and there was many opinions. Um, it was a very expensive project. I mean, I think I did the calculations and if you were to compare what an Avro Aero plane would cost in terms of engineering and and, and, and products and people, um, you know, it's in the hundreds of millions, right? I see. So back in the day, I think it was a roughly around 25 million per plane. That's a very expensive yes yes it's a lot of money and uh so yeah so there's there's that there's the controversy of 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 why was it you know or what it could have been uh but where we focus what it is um you know we don't we don't get too much into why it was canceled and all that really they get really upset and they get really uh um, talkative, which is great, you know, for 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 social platforms for people to be able to, you know, to talk and opinion and also to, to you know, to connect with one another, especially during these COVID times. And, um, so yeah, we, we, Milan, so is the owner of the airport. So Milan Krupa is the owner of Edenville, and he found out that the Avro Aero replica was sitting outside of Pearson, just wrapped up outside and he got in contact with CHASM. So the Canadian Air and Space had it when they had their museum in Downsview. And unfortunately they had to close. And so they put all of their artifacts with the arrow, well, all of their artifacts in storage and the arrow, obviously, too big of, a, of, a, of an object to be stored inside anywhere. They, they didn't have the funds and they didn't have the space to store it inside. So it was outside for a while, I think about well, four years. It's a one-to-one one replica, isn't it? It's a one-to-one. So we're talking, yeah, we're talking 85 feet long and 55 wide. Uh, so, you know, he, he said, uh, I'll, I'll bring it. I'll bring it to Edenbell and uh he took on all the financial responsibility of it he brought it up here it took the guys i think about four hours up pearson um not pearson uh, airport road uh to bring it up here Was so i had to take the wings off yeah yeah there's a whole video on youtube i can share that with you um of how they got it here i guess it's
0: appropriate that it traveled up airport road
2: yes And, we, you know, I I, I work in the office. I I do uh, consulting work for for Milan for the Edenville Airport. And we started getting calls and people just inquiring and asking whether or not we saw the, you know, do you have the Avro Aero replica? And I saw it on YouTube or I I think CTV uh, covered uh, that as well. And so everyone was really excited. And I said to Milan, like, let's open the doors. Let's show people the Avro Aero. And so family day. So that was uh, just before March, just before COVID. So February, I think it was 19th and 20th, a family day weekend. We opened the doors and we had, I think we saw maybe about 400 people come through that weekend. And families and you had like pilots and you had, you know, retired pilots, military. It was a nice combination of people from all over that really just wanted to see the arrow they came out, uh, they saw it, we saw their faces, we saw how happy they were. When we laugh, we say we, they have the arrow awe because when you walk in and you see the full scale of this plane, and you also think of a 1950s plane, you're thinking, oh, you know, an and, and, you know, improvement of a tiger moth. And no, it is nothing like it. It is absolutely stunning, it's a beauty of a plane. So you walk in, your mouth just like drops and you're like, wow. And we kind of just sit back and go, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we know. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, because of COVID, we've been on and off. Um, but basically what we did is we, we, we created a temporary website just so that everybody can go on there and they can book their tour And now we're creating, you know, board of directors and we've got some volunteers that, you know, come out and help us. Uh, Retired guys that really love aviation and they love to talk about it. And, uh, you know, with the pandemic, unfortunately we've, you know, we've opened them and then we've had to close them. And so we just can't wait for this stuff to be over. And, uh, and so that we can open the doors, you know, permanently and we can show it on the weekends and we can show it, you know, after five so that we can get more volunteers in here and just really, um, give it the platform that it deserves. And, uh, when you come in for a tour, we we spend about half an hour 25 really 25 to half an hour just kind of talking really depending on the size of the crowd and um and when and then you have time to take your pictures and take your videos uh we have a pretty awesome little gift shop in there so you can take home some swag with you if you like and all of the artifacts have qr codes so if you want to know a little bit more than what were you know then what with the normal speeches, um, then you can scan, you know, your, your phone to it and you can get more detailed information. Uh, but there's some pretty cool stuff too. We have a mock-up of the engine of the Arunda engine uh, that was used in the Avro era movie with Dan Aykroyd back in 90, I think it was 96 or something. Yeah. So we have that, which is really cool because again, you're able to see, you know, what a twin engine that size would look like. Right. And so that's, pretty cool. We've got a couple of, um, of the seats as well. One of them was actually used. Um, so Zan Zarokowski, he was one of the pilots, uh, he actually used one of the ejection seats. And so we have that as well. And some, you know, other like really cool stuff that kind of ties into the era and ties into, you know, the Avro Aero. And, and, and yeah, so that's why we do it. Uh, we honestly just started to do it because out of the good grace of Milan, he, he brought it here and it just felt like wrong to, to not have it shown to other people, to everybody really, you know, and, and, and kids don't know about the Avro Aero. They don't know what an impact Canadian aviation had, um, histories and, and the impact it had in, in its history. And a lot of the engineers, you know, they went out to, to work for NASA. You know, they worked on that space program. You know, they put the man on the moon, you know, with our friends just north, you know, or south, I should say. And, and, and that's, you know, that's something to, you know, to, to really admire, I think, you know, and again, just really focusing on what it is, you know, not so much what it was and the controversy and the cancellation, but really what it was. Um, and, there's, and there's lots of, you know, things that we're working on. Uh, we just developed a new website. Um, and it's avarero203.com. And we're going to do blogs too, where we can highlight, you know, past engineers and pilots that have worked on the project. We want to build a community forum so that, you know, you can go on there and you can kind of talk about your experiences. You know, we've had people come out that have worked, that did work for A, and they have awesome experiences. and, And it's really nice to see them kind of connect. And they're talking to the younger guys And the younger guys are interested in aviation and there's that really awesome you know line of communications there's been connections that have been made you know because of these tours and they walk away as as new pals um and i think that that's that's just amazing and and that's why we do it that's our our hope and then our mission i guess you could say is really just to show the area the arrow and, and to give an experience to To
0: those who come out, yeah. As Aura indicated, there are many plans in the works to offer regular access to the Avro Aero as things become safer and restrictions lift. The Aero is not going anywhere, folks, so we just have to be a bit patient. Sounds to me like a nice little getaway with an SGB to take in with the family and such. Aura also tells me that the Aerodrome's restaurant is readying a patio in the months ahead so you can sit outside after you've seen the Avro and enjoy their signature Aero Burger. (laughs) Sounds like an invite to me. Oh, just one last footnote worth mentioning. Ora also tells me that the creation of that Avro Aero replica involved in the neighborhood of 200 people and took roughly 10 years to complete, beginning in the mid-1990s. Wow, again. If you'd like more information on the Avro Aero or the Edenvale Aerodrome, go to edenflight.com. I'll post that and hopefully some footage of the Aero on the This Here Wow Facebook page. With that, the control tower is radioing me and saying, Dean, it's time to start wrapping things up. I'd like to begin that by genuinely thanking my guests, Chef Patrick Borachot, as well as Aura from the Edenvale Aerodrome. Thanks a ton for taking the time to be part in this week's episode of This Here Wow. I truly loved and appreciate the time we spent chatting. Even more is the great appreciation I'm feeling for the incredible contribution that you have and continue to make the SGB culture and landscape. Surely you can feel it, folks. We're all pretty lucky, you and I, to be here and able to enjoy this rather exceptional bit of geography called South Georgian Bay. You bet we are. And of course, I'll have an entirely different wow or two to bring your way next week. There's no shortage of them here at SGB, that's for sure. Now, if you have any questions or comments, or perhaps there's a wow that you think should be on my radar, please send me an email. Dean at thisherewow.com will get that job done very nicely. You can also go to my website, DeanHolland.com. That's Dean, H-O-L-L-I-N.com. And of course, I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much to the Jen Schulte team. Jen Schulte, real estate broker with Century 21 Millennium Inc. brokerage. Go to team.com. Thanks also to my technical producer, Steve Ritchie, for cutting and pasting the show together so nicely each and every week. Thanks as well to my favorite IT guy, Mitchell. Special thanks to Ash. Love to G. And a really big thanks to you, too. I look forward to us being together again next week for another installment of This Here Wow. Oh, and if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Until then, I'm Dean Holland. this here Wow.